And today I want to just deal with something. Uh, today is what they call Palm Sunday. It's the day when Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And uh, everybody, now remember that the prophecies that had been down through the ages in the Old Testament, through the Old Testament prophets, was for the purpose of preparing people for the Messiah, the King, the King of the Jews. That's what, that's what they were looking for, is a literal king. Now, they were surprised, and at first they thought Jesus was going to be that king, that physical, literal king. And he is physical, literal king, but not in the manner that they thought. They thought he was going to sit upon the throne with a scepter and, and just rule right there in Jerusalem and just take, uh, take over the rightful position in the place. But that didn't happen like that. But this morning, we want to deal with that procession that happened down the streets of Jerusalem. It's called Palm, Palm Sunday is what we call it. And it was, uh, it's, the, it's a victorious march because here the Jews and all of the people there thought this was the day that he was going to reveal his new kingdom and his new policies and all the things that he was going to do. Look at um, John the 12th chapter, verses 12 through 16. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast. Now, this is the feast that was every year. They have an annual feast. And when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, he sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's coat. And his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, this was after his resurrection, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now, Jesus is king. We need to understand he is the king. He is the king of all of us, not just Israel, but all of those that come underneath the blood covenant that he established for everybody, every man, woman, boy, and girl. And this is uh, about, this is probably one of the greatest celebrations that they had, and this is probably the greatest celebration before the Resurrection Sunday that we celebrate his literal resurrection from the grave and from the dead, but... The declaration from his followers crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Now, God's, God's timetable was being fulfilled. How many knows that God's got his timetable? Now, the day, now the hour of the coming of the Son of Man, nobody knows. But how many knows the timetable is click, clicking? I mean, God's time clock is clicking. And, but we can know by the signs. That it's getting closer and closer and closer, the coming of the Lord. But everything that happened, that was going to happen, was fulfillment of the promises of God, as we're seeing this procession getting ready to happen. The prophecies concerning redemption were being fulfilled. You see, they, the, the disciples still hadn't quite had that interpretation in their heart and that revelation 
of what Jesus was getting ready to do because in their heart, they thought he was still going to be just pronounced king and rule and take over and do all of these things. That was still what was in their heart, even though they knew better. Amen? Sometimes we all know better, but we still have things in our heart that we think this is the way it's going to be. This is the way God said. No, God has his timetable. We can't, we can't predict the timing of God. I do believe this. The coming of the Lord draws nigh. And I believe it's closer today than it was yesterday. And I, I believe as we see things develop in this world, and, and let me just insert this. We're praying for a better world, but I want to tell you something. According to the Scriptures and according to Jesus Himself, it's not going to get any better. He said it's going to be worse and worse. In fact, he described it as it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. The days of Noah, if you'll recall and take your time to read in Genesis, their thoughts, the Bible said, were on evil continually. The thoughts of men and women and every person was on thoughts continually. Only eight people got saved and all of them weren't really what you call holy and righteous. But Noah was righteous in the eyes of the Lord. And because of his faithfulness to God, God saved that household. And eight people were saved in the ark. Now somebody said, well, how in the world? Some people today, did you know some people today don't even believe that the ark existed? And that it really happened? There's a lot of churches that are preaching modernistic teachings that these things weren't really there and they really did not happen. You'd be surprised. Uh, uh, at the things that come out of people's mouths and their thoughts uh, on, on their interpretations of things. But and it, it, it's, it's the same thing about salvation. I mean, you know, well, you can just live like you want to live. God doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, God, God comes to us in many different fashions and forms and all of this. And listen, there's only one way. Jesus came. He became sin. He was crucified, he was buried, he rose again on the third day, and he ascended back to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. There's no other name under heaven whereby men can be saved except by the name of Jesus. That's the Bible. Amen. There's no other way. I, I know a lot of people, They. I, I had one man in uh, when I was in college, he tried to interpret the thing. He said, well, you know, all the natives and things over in the other countries... You know, they don't have the gospel, and so therefore God, uh, through, th- through their methods of worship that they're doing, God is ministering to them. No, there's only one way. That's through Jesus. That's why Jesus commanded his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Amen? That, that, there's only one way, and, that, and that's for God to do it His way, not for man to say, well, you know, God's, God's a loving God. He's not going to send anybody to hell. No, God's not sending nobody to hell. They're sending themselves to hell. We have a choice. We make up our mind. We decide which way we're going. God doesn't want to send anybody to hell. God's desire was that every man come to repentance. God's desire was that every man be saved and be born again and, and be redeemed and have that revelation of who they are. That was God's desire. That, that's, that's still His desire. But prophecies concerning redemption were being fulfilled right before these eyes of the people, the Jews that were here on that day. And it was being revealed. A little boy woke up one morning on Palm Sunday and he was sick and he stayed home from church. 
with his mother and his father returned from church holding a palm branch because it was Palm Sunday. And we don't have palm branches today, but some people do. And, and, and the little boy was curious, said, what, why do you have that palm branch, Dad? What is that for? And he said, you see, when Jesus came into town, everyone waved palm branches to honor him. So we put we got palm branches today. Little boy replied, all shucks. The one Sunday I missed is the Sunday that Jesus shows up. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Jesus shows up every Sunday. <laughs> he shows up every day. Amen. And uh, but I, I just thought that was funny. And as you know, today's Palm Sunday the day taken from the Gospels. Now, what happened on Palm Sunday? What we want to deal with, according to the, the, the Scriptures in John here, uh, in the 12th chapter, is Jesus' ministry had begun three and a half years before this procession that He was doing. He come on the scene. Now, Jesus was probably, uh, at the age of 12, He was in the temple baffling the Pharisees and the scribes there that were there, the teachers of the law. And he was, he was showing them up in a sense because he was in the beginning. He was, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so here he was, it was nothing new to him, but at the age of twelve, because he was the Son of God, an immaculate birth. We, we, we just celebrated that at, at uh, the time of the, the birth of Jesus. And it was a miraculous birth uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ into this earth. He had to come in flesh. Perfect flesh is what it was. It was not sinful flesh because, you see, he was conceived by the Holy Ghost. With Mary... And therefore, when he come out, he was the Son of God. The Son of God. God manifested in the flesh through him. This was the Son of God. But he had to come as a man. He had to take on limitations of a man. For those 33 years and a half years that he walked upon the earth, he had, he had the limitations of man. But at the same time, he had the supernatural power of his Father and of God working with him. He knew God. Well, he was God. He was with God. Amen? He's third part of the Godhead. He was there in the beginning when earth was created. He was there when all of these things took place. But Jesus, uh, his ministry began. Now, the Bible says that if the world could have recorded everything that he did during his 33 and a half years upon this earth, if they could have recorded everything, the Bible says in John twenty one twenty five, there were also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Hallelujah. There's not enough books that could, that could actually record everything that Jesus did during that period. Especially during his even three and a half years of the ministry that he publicly showed himself and publicly began to do the miracles. There, there's no amount of paper that could record the miracles. How many knows that's pretty amazing? It can't be said about Muhammad. It can't be said about all of the other people that are supposed to be the most holy people. 
It can't be said about nobody else. But for three and a half years, there's not enough paper to record the miracles that Jesus did. He's a miracle worker. He is life. He is the miracle. Amen? Look at Mark 6.34. And when Jesus came out, He saw much people. He was moved with compassion toward them. Because they were as a sheep not having a shepherd, he began to teach them many things. Jesus moved with compassion upon the people of this world and began to teach them. And look back to the years that Jesus walked the earth. See, our calendar is measured by the uh, B.C. and A.D. B.C. means before Christ. A.D. means, uh, uh, it stands for Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. In other words, from the time that Jesus was born, it became A.D., now, it's amazing on the timetables. Our calendars, our calendars that we use, don't always measure up to the dates and the times of the Jewish calendar. And it's interesting to note that uh, we're, we're, we're in a time, and, and I'm going to share this a little at another time, but you know, every 2,000 years, Every 2,000 years, something spectacular takes place. It was 2,000 years before the flood. 2,000 years had went by before the flood. 2,000 years later, Jesus was born and came into this earth as a human being, human flesh, 2,000 years after that. So the next great event, 2,000 years, how many knows what that next great event is going to be? We're going to be caught up. What we call the rapture of the church. The catching away of the bride of Christ. And 2000, Now, we look at our calendar. We're in, nine, we're in 2019. So the Jewish calendar is really more accurate than our calendar as far as these years. And when you look at it, we don't have a whole lot of years before that 6,000 years is completed, according to the Jewish calendar. I mean, it's interesting to note. We're, listen, the main thing is, we're in the end time. I said, the main thing to understand is, Jesus is on the verge of coming back for the church and there's going to be a triumphant entrance into heaven for us. Hallelujah. Because that's what the Lord's going to do for us. But Palestine, during the time of Jesus, uh, was a pressure cooker. Herod the Great was king of Judah. He served as a puppet for Caesar Augustus. Uh, history. I love history. I've, uh, history was my favorite subject in school. Uh, I mean, I could read historical books and, and biographies and, and, and history. I loved it. I just loved it. And when you begin to see what where Israel was at the time when Jesus came to earth, Herod the Great was king of Judea. He served as a puppet for Caesar Augustus. And all Israel was under the dominion of the Roman Empire at that time. The Roman Empire. And for 700 years before Christ, Israel had been split up, part of the nation being conquered by Assyria, and the rest being conquered by Babylon. I want to tell you something. Israel is still the apple of God's eye. Israel is still the apple of God's eye. God hasn't changed his mind about what he has said and what he's going to do. It's going to happen for Israel. 
One day they're going to be whole. And one day, did you know that Jews have to, they have to, uh, they have to come to that point to where they can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, just like you and I have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to take, the Jews have to receive it, just like we have to receive it. The revelation has to come to them, just like the revelation comes to, uh, to all of us. They're going to have to see that Jesus was the Christ, and is the Christ. He's the Son of God, and, we're, and it's going to be that way. Praise the Lord. Now, a lot of the Jews did receive the Lord back during the first time of the day of Pentecost and on. The Jews were the ones that were preached to. They were pre- 3,000 of them were added to the church uh, on that day of Pentecost. 3,000. Uh, Cornelius' household was the Gentile age. And Cornelius and his household received, the Gentiles began to receive the gospel. But it was the Jew first. It's to the Jew first, then to the Gentiles. And the Lord has not forgotten the Jewish nation. He has not forgotten the promise that He's made to them as, as His children and His... And, and listen, it's important to understand God has got a time clock and a timetable and it's all working for the good. And we're right here in the middle of this thing. And I'll tell you what, the coming of the Lord draws nigh. I said the coming of the Lord draws nigh. Now, the triumphal entry, the feast, Passover feast was about to happen. John twelve twelve. the next day when the Lord's crowd that came to the festival heard that Jesus was coming up uh, to come into Jerusalem, they took palm branches and went out to meet him. Now, the next day is it's six days before Jesus is crucified. When they do this, when they do this parade right down the streets with all the palm branches and he gets on this donkey and he gets on this colt. Now, now, what's interesting is, you see, most kings in a procession get on a big steed, a big horse. And I mean, it's decorated out with the finest of saddles and, and all of this. And when they came through through the streets of Jerusalem, they were coming as the conqueror, the king, you know that. And Jesus came up on an humble donkey. That was, that was his entrance into the city. But God told him what to do. Jesus told the disciples what to do. They obeyed, and Jesus got on that donkey, and as he was riding into Jerusalem, I'll tell you, Jerusalem, now that, this is the center of it all. Jerusalem is the center of everything that's happened as far as the gospel is concerned. That is the central point, Jerusalem. Jerusalem has been the center throughout the Old Testament and all the way through into the New Testament. Jerusalem, it was the center of it. And here Jesus comes down that street on the donkey because the Lord had told the disciples, you go get the donkey and tell the owner the master hath need of him. I want to tell you something. God's got need of us today. Amen. The Lord has need of every one of us today. There's something. Listen, we're not just little specks out here. <laughs> Some people think they're just a little speck out here. God doesn't know where I'm at. God doesn't know what, what I'm doing. God, God's not really that concerned about me. Oh, yes, He is. Listen, God's concerned about everything about you. Every one of us. And God has a perfect plan and a perfect thing for every person, every human being. God's got that perfect plan already laid out for them. We just got to receive Jesus and get into step with God and receive what God has for us. But God is using the humble to bring on the power of God. 
God's bringing those that walk in humility, those that don't seem like they're nothing. God is going to use us to usher in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and also to display the power of God in this end time. We've got a job to do. Amen? Now, let's go back 170 years before this happened. A Greek king had attacked and destroyed Jerusalem and put many of its inhabitants to death, mostly in cruel ways. Listen, when they, when they fought back then, it was very cruel. It was very cruel in, in the things that they done. They ordered soldiers to enter the Jewish temple and slaughter a pig considered unclean. Now, this is, this is why, this is why in the tribulation period, when we call it what we call the Great Tribulation, that in the middle of that, the Antichrist is going to offer a pig up on the altar in the Jewish temple. Listen, the temple is still important for God and the Jewish people at this point. And I'll tell you something. <laughs> The, 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 the devil still wants to desecrate. The devil still wants to humiliate. The devil still wants to put God's people down. But I want to tell you something. God's word is truth. Let every man be a liar, but God be true. God will honor his word. God will keep every jot and every tittle of the promises that he's made. It will come to pass. God will do exactly what he said he would do. Hallelujah. I, you know, I, I'm... One day, one day, we're going to see an Antichrist system. One day, I, I, I think the church, to me, will be gone, but it, it's possible we could even be here to see the Antichrist system established. It, somebody said, well, no, God's going to set us free. Well, look what happened to the early church. They were run down, crucified. Mutilated, burned, beaten, tortured. You read about it. I mean, it's there. The early church did not have it easy. And they, they suffered greatly for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And why do we feel like we're going to be exempt? I don't know. But you see, the thing is, if we do see things like that, God's grace is going to be in your life. Just as it was in their lives, and they were able to have the strength of God and the power of God manifested in their lives. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not, somebody said, well, I don't want to hear this kind of preaching. I want to go somewhere where they preach good things. <laughs> I, want, I want to go somewhere where they don't dangle me over hell or nothing like that. I, I, don't, I, I don't believe in that hell stuff no more. Well, hell's still real too. Heaven's real. Hell is real. Demons are real. The devil's real. We're not, we're not denying that fact. But the thing is, the difference between you and I and those that have the word of God and the word of truth is, we know that we have the upper hand over the devil because Jesus defeated him 2,000 years ago and victory is ours. Hallelujah. It's not going to be ours. It is already ours. But that final, de- that final victory is going to be death. Oh, death, where's your strength? Because, listen, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Hallelujah. 
I still believe in the rapture. I still believe in the coming of the Lord. I still believe the trump of God's going to sound. I still believe that the things are going to happen. And of course, I believe if it happens, and when it happens, I mean, there's the system that's going to be set. They're going to try to. Uh, they're already doing it in the media and all of this stuff. They're already putting things down, putting Christians down, and putting believers down in what they believe. And they're just going to say, "We just went off on the deep end, and it's all a hoax." Well, it may be a hoax for seven years, but then we're going to come back riding with the Lord. Hallelujah. And we're going to reign with Him on the earth for a thousand years. That's what the Bible says. Praise God. And then the final battle of Armageddon is going to take place, and we're going to get victorious. That's not even in my notes today. I don't even know how I got off on this, but this is good preaching anyway. Amen. I, I, sometimes we, we need to remember what God, who God is, where we're headed, what God's going to do, and God's not going to fail us. Hallelujah. He's with us in the name of the Lord. Can you say amen? Now, Christ entered with humility when he was walking down this pathway on the village. And Jesus also during this period in the 12th chapter, when he was riding up on the donkey... Let me get over there and read that to you. John 12. I don't even know if I had that in the notes, Sherry, but we'll, we'll find it anyhow. John, the Gospel of John, it's here. The 12th chapter. Now, this is after he's actually coming down the triumphal entry, coming into Jerusalem. And, well, it's... Maybe it's in Luke where it was, but uh, he comes up on Jerusalem, and this is where he weeps. I mean, remember the scripture where he wept over, it, uh, over Jerusalem. How long? <laughs> How often would I have done this for you? How long have you been? In other words, he wept over Israel because of their unbelief and their disobedience, and he wept over Israel at that moment. At the triumphal entry, when he was coming into the city, he wept over Israel. Jesus wept. Somebody said, does Jesus weep over us? I think sometimes he does. I think he weeps when we show disbelief and unbelief. And we allow the enemy to take over our thinking and our minds and all of these things that we know better. I, I believe that there's, there's, a, that there's something about Jesus. Listen, how often would I gathered you, he said. How often would I gathered you as a hen gathers her brew up under her and protects them. How often would I have done that, but you rejected it. You rejected it. You turned your back on it. And you did not want what I had to offer. How often would this have happened? Jesus did it. Now, here he is making that procession. They're shouting Hosanna. The Hosanna, the Hebrew expression, literally means save now. They wanted Jesus to save them right then. Blessed is he, John twelve thirteen, who comes in the name of the Lord. And the people are quoting from Psalms 118, 25 through 26. Now remember, they didn't have the New Testament like we have today. They had the Old Testament that pointed to Calvary, that pointed to Jesus, and the prophecies in the Old Testament uh, was ministering concerning Jesus and His coming and who He was and what He was going to do. But look what it said in Psalms 118, 25, and 26. Lord, save us 
Lord, please grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. And they're calling for him to be their earthly king. When Jesus come riding, they're saying they thought he was going to be their earthly king right then. The earthly king. But there's significance here. See, if he was coming as a political leader, a military leader, he would come on a horse. That's what. That's the way they come in. The military leaders would come in on their big horse. They have their big procession, you know, and their big steeds and their gold um, ornaments and, and all of that on the horse. They would come in with all of their helmets and their armor on and thinking, this, I'm a proud soldier. I'm a proud leader. I'm a proud person that's going to do this. But just as it's written, when you see that, the writer is going to quote from the Old Testament. Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy. Zechariah 9 and 9. Fear no more, daughter Zion. Look, your king is coming. Sitting on a donkey's coat. Hallelujah. Amen. Your, your king is coming. In other words, Jesus, and through the prophets, was saying, when you see this happen, your king is coming down that road. Your king is coming down that road. You see, people are looking for a Messiah. They're searching for a Savior. They expected Jesus to come in and just clean house and just set everything up and make it just right. Make it all normal. I don't know what people expect sometimes. How many knows? How many knows people get things in their mind? This is the way it's going to be. This is the way it's got to be. This is the way it's going to happen. And all of a sudden, it didn't happen the way we thought. You know, the way we think. But God does it His way. And when God has His way, guess what? We're going to see victory in the name of the Lord. But people's looking. If we'd been in Jesus' time, if we'd been there, we'd be doing the same thing. But we're, we're in the present time right now. You know, Billy Graham, how many believe Billy Graham? I, I, I believe he was probably one of the greatest evangelists that God sent and raised up in our generation. That we saw from 1947 or 48, he began to preach. And, uh, and Billy Graham was a man. He made, he made mistakes. Uh, he, had to, he had to deal with pride at times. I remember the first time that uh, he, he gave, I, I read his biography, autobiography that he wrote. And he was talking about when he first went to the White House. And had his photograph made with President Harry Truman at the time. And Truman <laughs> rebuked him. Because Billy Graham was more interested in his photo shoot. Than really being a prophet to the president. And Billy Graham quoted this in his autobiography. He said, I was so prideful. But he said when Harry Truman said, well, all you want is a photo shoot. And, you know, Billy Graham humbled himself and asked him to forgive him for the attitude that he had. And due to his humility and humbleness before the Lord, Billy Graham was used with every president up to the time that he passed on. Uh, I, I believe that he had an audience with every president. In fact, when George H. Bush was going to the... Uh, to, to uh, to launch the war against Iraq at that time, and uh, and it, it, you know that was a that was a big decision to make. 
Billy Graham was in the White House with him all night long in prayer before the decision was made. All night long in prayer, praying for God to guide and direct. And I believe that because of the prayers, God directed and God, God honored that. That doesn't mean that every president has been the most holy person, but I believe that a lot of them that we've had, they've had great respect for God and great respect for men of God. And maybe in their own selves, they have a born again experience. That we're not, I know a lot of them did. And uh, a lot of them were proud to say that they were born again believers. And I, I believe that. But you know, the thing is, God uses prophets of God to come in. And help guide and help direct and help to pray and to seek God. Billy Graham was that. But Billy Graham made this statement many times. And he said this. He said, the greatest mission field in our country today is in our local church. The people sitting already in our churches. One thing that I do know is that many people know what to say. How to say it, even how to act in it, but when the rubber meets the road, there's no personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We can learn how to talk spiritual. We can learn how to act spiritual. We can learn how to act holy. But you know what? If it's only on the surface... It's not getting anything done. It has to be down deep in the heart of a man. Holiness is in the heart. Humility is in the heart. Love is in the heart. Joy is in the heart. Peace is in the heart. All of the attributes of God are in the heart. And what we have to do is understand we've got to get Him in our heart and let Him Reflect himself through our lives, but it's because he's in our heart. And I, I tell you what, I believe with all my heart. I agree with Billy Graham. I'm not saying about our church or anything, but I talk as a whole. When I say this as a church, as a whole around the nation and the world, that there's a lot of Christians that know how to say it. They know how to pretend. They know how to act the part. But when it comes down to living the part, they don't have the grace of God in their lives to do it. And what God is saying today, we we got to get everything back in order. Amen? Get it back in order. I'll I tell you what, I'm not going to worry about my neighbor. I, I mean, I'm going to worry. I'm going to be concerned about him. But what I'm saying is, I, I can't, I can't, I got to live my life according to God. I've got to have my heart in tune with Him. I can't worry about whether or not I've done it just the way man wants me to do it. The main thing is I want to do it the way God wants me to do it. We've got to be a God pleaser. Please Him. Please God in what He tells us to do. And as we do this, we're going to see God begin to move in our lives and in our midst. Praise God. How many of those revival starts? What, what, do, what does this one preacher do? He went up and drew a big circle around, and he got right in the middle of that circle, and he said, Lord, start a revival, and start it right in this circle. <laughs> 
We've got to come to that point where we can say, Lord, I need a revival and I need it right in my, I I need you to start right here in my circle. Right? Let's start it in our home. Amen? Let's let God's love abound in our home. Let's let God's love abound as we present Christ to our children and, and to, uh, in some cases, our grandchildren and all of these others that are there, great-grands and all of these. We, we need to come to the point where we're going to present Christ to them and let them see Christ in us and start it at home. Amen? Let God be God. Let God be, let, let the love of God be there. Let God's peace be there. Let God's joy be there. Let His power be there. And, and let everybody see Christ reflected through you. Amen? Praise God. Our church reflects who we are. You reflect who you are and what your family is. We're a reflection of that. Now, don't shout me down. Because this is good preaching. But what we have to understand is, we have to reflect God. If I don't go to heaven, I can't blame Brother H.B. If I don't make it, I can't blame Brother L.H., I mean, these men are going to stand there and hold me up and encourage me. And say, but what I'm saying, I can't blame them if I don't do it. How many understands what I'm saying this morning? We have to come to that point in our lives to where we're going to serve the king. We've got to receive him as the king. We've got, we got to receive him as the king. Listen, church, church is meant to be a place where the presence of God can be felt. Church is meant to be a place where God's power can be revealed. The church is meant to be a place where people can feel safety and feel safe in a safe haven in the house of the Lord. We need that. And we need the people to feel like they're secure. They need to feel like they belong. They need to feel like that we're family. We are family. You ever had members of the family that you was ashamed of? You know those far distant cousins, you know? And they come along and come to the family reunion one day. And they come up to you and say, Hey, cuz! Boy, you try to get over here behind somebody else. Because you're embarrassed by them. Huh? You know what? But you know what? God wants our family, the church family, to be in a place where we can receive one another. Love one another. I mean, let God's power be reflected in our lives. I, I don't want to be one of those that's, that's out here in the, you know, that's in left field and, uh, I, I want my purpose, I want, I want spiritual transformation in my life. I, I want to see spiritual transformation in your life. I, I want to see you, I want to see God take control of your emotions and your thinking and your mind and your spirit and, and I want to see God just really literally transform us. For the glory of the Lord. Can you say amen? Let God change us. Let Jesus change us. Let Him change us to what we should be. And then what happens is He'll change our situation. And He'll change our family. He'll change this church. He'll change this community. He'll change this world. When the church, the believers, 
come to that place. And what happens is, is through the death on his cross that makes a way for you to have a relationship with God. Thank God we've got a relationship with him today. Amen. Jesus was gritting ready. And as he was coming down that road on that donkey with all the palm branches that they were crying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. This is our king. And hey, by the way, Jesus, he also stopped and cleaned out the temple one day. (laughs) Drove all the money changers out. They said, boy, this is my kind of leader here. Glory to God. This, this. But then it came down to the nitty-gritty, and they all turned and forsook him. Even his disciples forsook him. Even those that were close to him wasn't there when he needed them the most. In fact, when he was praying, he said, would you just pray with me a little while? he come back and they were sleeping. He said, couldn't you just stay awake and pray for a little while with me? Just a little while and just pray. Because, you see, the flesh wasn't, the flesh is willing, but the, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Amen. Sometimes our flesh is weak and we can't do it. But God wants to change. And through his resurrection, he gives you the hope of resurrection from the dead one day. Thank God. How many is glad we got that hope? I, we've got a hope. I tell you, we've seen a lot of loved ones put in, their, put in the grave. But you know, the thing is, knowing their life and knowing that they love God and knowing that they were ready, they just got a head start on heaven with us. I mean, you know, uh, but, 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 but to know that they were ready and prepared, that's what makes a difference. Knowing that they were transformed by the Lord and transformed by the Holy Spirit and God wants to change our lives. I tell you, it, it, it's, it's hard. When my wife passed away in 2009, I, I knew it was going to happen because she had already told me it was going to happen. And she said that the Lord's taking me home. And, uh, and she said, but don't worry about it because I'm ready. And when it was time, she was ready. And she left out of here. No struggle. No, no struggle for trying to stay here. She just went to sleep. And when she went to sleep, the presence of God filled that room. And I sensed the presence of the Lord. Then I remembered her telling me, and she said, Clarence Richard, when I go, don't try to raise me from the dead. Because see, Miss Smith Wigglesworth, you remember Smith Wigglesworth? He came home one night and his wife had died and he went and raised her from the dead. And she told him, she said, Smith, she said, next time I go, you leave me alone. And I saw my wife in the corner of the room there that night and, or that morning early. And I said, I, I could just see her. I said, Clarence Richard, I told you, don't you try it. I'm in, I'm in the presence of the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you know what? The ser- How many of you ever went to services where you know they're with the Lord? And I mean, it's a glorious service. A glorious service. A, 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 a service where you praise God and worship the Lord. Because you know that you know that you know. And that's what's important. Amen? Whether it be 30 years. Some people have died, left at earlier ages. Whether it be 50 years, 80 years. Some people live to be over 100 years. But you know what? Regardless, whenever we go, it's going to be a time of rejoicing. Because Jesus is welcoming us home. Amen? Because He is the King. 
He is the one that triumphed over the devil. He is the one that triumphed over all of these things in this earth. And when he made that entrance, that was a symbolism that he was coming. That was a symbolism of him being the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It was a symbolism. And when we, we're, we're going to get into the resurrection, but I want to tell you something. When that crown was placed on his head, that was the crown. They put it on his head, but that's okay. He was still the king. He was the king of kings, and he proved he was the king of kings. We went to the lower regions of the earth, and he came out of the hell and victorious over death and hell and, and all of the things of the devil. He came over, he came out victorious. Mary saw him at the grave, remember? And she didn't even recognize him because he was so mutilated when they buried him and when they took him off the cross. But when he came back, he had perfect skin. Everything was perfect about him. And he, she said, he said, Mary, don't touch me yet. I haven't yet ascended to the Father. He had to yet ascend. They said, but you, uh, what's interesting is this. Remember old Peter? Open mouth, insert foot, Peter. You know, how many's ever met people like that? They're, they're quick to open their mouth and say something. And, and, uh, Peter, he was, oh, Lord, I won't let nobody take you. And he sliced that ear off of that soldier. And Jesus said, no, Peter, that's not the way we do it. Took the ear and put it back on the soldier and just healed it right there. I, listen, I have a feeling that soldier's life was changed that day. I, I believe that some of the soldier's lives around that cross were changed that day when they saw and heard Jesus cry out, it's finished. It's done. And the veil was rent from the top to the bottom in the temple and given us access into the presence of the Lord. I believe there were some changes made in some of those soldiers down there too. Amen. They had to see something that caused them to believe. Listen, Jesus is Lord. Victory's ours. I want to tell you something. Whether people leave this life or we leave at the rapture. We're all going to meet together in the air. Hallelujah. Amen. Because it doesn't matter. But the Bible said the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up to meet with the Lord and be with him forever in the air. And listen, we're going to meet. We're all going to get there at the same time. Hallelujah. Now, the spirit of man is already there in the presence of the Lord, but the body, the body is going to be changed and glorified. And we're going to have a glorified body when we get into heaven. Amen. We're going to be able to come back with the Lord. Listen, there's things that's going to happen. You can read about all this in the Bible. We're going to come back with Him. And we're going to just reign and rule on this earth for a thousand years. Then after that, there's going to be a big uprising again. See, evil's not eradicated until it's eradicated totally. And once that's done, guess what? There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Because God said it. And it's going to be just like God wanted it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Somebody said, boy, that's far-fetched. People, you talk, you talk to some people out in the, in the, listen, you talk to the, what's happening in our Senate and Congress is because you got a bunch of young people in there that wasn't raised in church. They don't know anything about church. They don't know anything about the Lord. All they know is what they've been shoved down their throats in college and all this stuff that's all humanism and, and anti-God, anti-Christ spirit. That's all that they know. But I want to tell you something. We have everything that God said we could have. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. I said, Jesus is Lord. Everybody say it out loud. Jesus is Lord. He's the king. He made that triumphal entry that day. Victory's ours. And because he did it, 
because he did it, we've got hope. We have hope. Lift your hands and just thank God this morning for the hope that's ours in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We have the hope of the Lord. We have the hope of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For He is Lord. Let's just sing that to the Lord this morning. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead. And He's Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus, Jesus Christ, is Lord. Listen, you're my Lord. Sing it to the Lord this morning. Oh, you're my Lord. You're my Lord. have risen from the dead and you're my Lord and my knee shall bow and my tongue confess that Jesus Oh, Christ is my Lord. Let's stand to our feet today. Praise God. I'm glad that we can come to the presence of the Lord. I'm thankful that we can come in and worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. I'm glad we can learn from the Word of God and because His Word is meat and it's life to our flesh. The Word is. It's hope. Listen, when you, when you get to, to, to speaking the Word and talking the Word, it's hope. We have that hope today. Amen. How many glad you're saved? Turn to somebody else and say, I'm glad you're saved too. <laughs> I, thought, I thought Brother L.H. going to turn around the door and say, I thank God I'm glad you're saved, you know. <laughs> Amen. But listen, we're, we're redeemed. Everybody say, I'm redeemed. Praise God. Amen. Connie doing good, Morris? All right. Praise God. She's going to get, she's going to come up 100%. Hallelujah. Thank God. Well, turn to somebody and look at them and say, Jesus is Lord. Amen. And let's just lift our hands to the Lord and just thank Him today and just praise Him. Father, we thank You and we praise You for the victory that's ours through Jesus Christ. And Lord, the triumphal entry that He's made into our hearts and our lives. Father, He is Lord. We say, Hosanna to the King. Hosanna to the King. And thank You, Father. Bless, minister, minister life, minister healing, minister joy to every person here today. In the name of Jesus, And we just give You praise. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. See you all tonight at 6. Amen.